0: I would say if you think that this Bitcoin, this money doesn't have a hold on you, try getting rid of it. Like seriously, try getting rid of it. Try using it. Try Even if it's for something that you know God wants you to be doing, try using it. Because it it is murderously difficult to do it.
1: Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today is Saturday, December 16th. It is 12.23 p.m. And, uh, man, I am ready to have a killer conversation, Griff. What about you?
2: Nick, I'm ready to have a killer conversation. I have to say, like, the fiat, I wanted to rope it off here to, like, get it started. Uh, you want to know what's super fiat? The fact that the number, like, the amount of Starbucks that have bathroom codes now is really telling of the times that we are in. And I have to say... Uh, just like inflation, the number of digits that they require for these bathroom codes keeps getting longer. Like it was like <sighs> ten digits this morning, and I was like, "Hey, uh, that I don't care what it is. I'm just like I, I can't follow. Like <laughs> it's like I can't I can't keep up with how many digits you guys have at your bathroom codes. It's like inflation." And they started laughing, but it's because of the homeless problem around this hospital I work at. There's a lot of homeless people, and it's like every Starbucks now needs to essentially have a game plan to keep people from sleeping in their bathrooms overnight. It's like, whoa. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I think we have an awesome episode. I think the engagement on Twitter for us has been like tenfold what it used to be. And all that does is give us, what, like 50 million more things to learn and try to talk about. So uh, yeah. we have a good one. We have a, we have a not only a good one, but uh, I think a deep think for a lot of Bitcoiners and a lot of guys that might not be willing to play devil's advocate if you will uh it's going to be a really interesting one and it's going to be exciting to learn a lot here today
1: yeah yeah i agree i uh so speaking on twitter um we a previous guest we've had on at Fieldnoss on twitter uh hammond of texas um uh, he was uh, a previous guest of ours had a great conversation with him he actually recommended the guests we've got today and uh so so got connected with him on twitter we talked a little bit back and forth and um He's got a podcast of his own called Modern Apocrypha that's a very interesting take on, on life, I think. Um, listen to one of his episodes, and I thought, man, this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, mind you, um, we are not steering away from topics anymore. Self-censorship, gone. We're talking about what we really believe. We're talking about what we think. And uh, you know, if we get shut down, we get shut down. Um, but I, I, I'm not believing that that's going to happen. So... Uh excited to jump into a conversation with our guest today, Jared. Uh Jared, welcome to the show. How is your Saturday going, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, Nick. Thanks for having me on,
0: guys. It's it's actually a pleasure to be on with you. Um so, just to start out, let me introduce myself a little bit here cuz I I have to I have to plug two things. First off, you you pointed out the podcast and that's one of my uh projects and I I enjoy doing the podcast. I you know, you talk about not self-censoring. That to me has been like the core of this podcast. And I I'm saying things on there that I, I think maybe leave the Overton window kind of shredded and hanging from a thread or something. You know, it's it's just kind of out there what I'm willing to say. But the other thing I've been doing is I, I wrote a book and this started about a year and a half ago. So the book's called bright star and it's not out until April, but between the two of them, I'm kind I've kind of been, you know, busy. It's a fiction book. So got a lot going on. Um, but this conversation I've been looking forward to for what we've been, we've had this in the works for a couple of weeks and I've been looking forward to it, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, grip and I have had a lot of conversation, um, Regarding uh, several different elements of what this conversation will be, so kind of introducing our primary topic, I guess um, it's uh, it's the Bible, it's it's uh, Christianity, it's Christ as the standard, and where does this come? Where does Bitcoin fit into this? And could Bitcoin be a tool for good or for bad? And that's the conversation we're having today. And so, yeah. Jared, I know we talked a little bit before we started um, the recording here about how do we want to lay this out because there's a lot of there's a lot of context yeah. that goes into what your what your thought is and the things you've laid out in in, in your own podcast. Um, so I just want to give you an open mic here to lay out some context uh, for this conversation, and then we'll and then we'll start breaking things down and getting into. it.
0: Well and just hopefully in just a few sentences here let me hit the bitcoin side of this context. This isn't going to be new to most of your listeners. This is this is stuff that we all kind of know. And that is basically that bitcoin is is real money. It's fair money. It's hard money. It's money that cannot currently be manipulated or messed with and that's the way we hope things continue. And I always like to preface this conversation when I when I have it with this if i could talk to the founders of the united states of america to you know back before they ever started the revolutionary war against england i'd be really hesitant to tell them where america is today because i wouldn't want to joggle their elbow man because what they did was so freaking important it was so freaking important you know and so let's say i see a possibility for a bad future for bitcoin that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't a battle that needs to be fought that doesn't necessarily mean that it's there's something wrong with it or that we have to give up on it and we can't and shouldn't give up on it because and i need to i need to really emphasize this in my opinion bitcoin is the solution to the current problem and the current problem is the insanity going on in the world that a lot of it does stem from a fiat you know foundation right i don't know you have anything to add there because is there anything that i ought to add on the bitcoin side for your listeners because as far as i know this is this is all elementary right
1: yeah so i think uh i think on the bitcoin side right how can we really understand a solution if we don't first understand a problem and uh, whenever we think about um when we think about money that is designed to degrade it's designed to lose purchasing power now, that, that happened in 1971. Officially, that, sever, or that, that tie between gold and the dollar was severed, right? Uh, and yeah. since then, right, we're now 52 years removed from that. And I just cannot help but believe that if you, if you insert a, a designed, degrading money into society, that's going to have a societal impact over time, specifically, and I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right? And and uh, you know, for the listeners, you've got to do a lot of extra research to understand what the problem of the current system is, the history of money, and how we got to where we're at today. So, well, to and and to have and this see.
0: conversation, I almost have to assume that everybody already understands all of that. And sure. if they don't, WTF happened in 1971.com is a great place to start. You look <laughs> at those charts, and it starts to give you a picture of what's going on. And, you know, read... Uh, what, was, what what? would you say? Read The Sovereign Individual, read the Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Standard. Yep. There, There's a whole lot of research you have to do, but I'm just going to have to kind of assume that people understand this to start yeah. with. Griff, is there, uh, is there
2: anything that you would add, Griff? Well oh, there's all kinds of things I'd love to add, but Bitcoin at time, time is money, like all of these things, right? It's like I put out a tweet <clears throat> for my best friend who wanted to get into Bitcoin I got 300 replies with education, which should speak to who Bitcoiners might potentially be. But I think an interesting question to start with here, Jared, because I've been waiting to ask you, uh, yeah. how much of world history is a lot and where do the lies really, really start here? Do they start uh, even before Christ? Do they start with they started, who, was, who was here before the Ottoman Empire? Do they start, where do they start for you? Like, where do the lies really start to begin?
0: <laughs> they start before human history starts being recorded and in the official sense, because you almost have to understand the basic dynamic of humanity in order to get at this at a base level. And that is basically this, that when humans create something, we find a way to screw it up. When humans create something, we find a way to screw it up sooner or later, right? Because, and, and the better it is, the longer it takes for us to screw it up, the more resilient it is, the more uh, resistant to getting screwed up it is. But, you know, with with the problem with people is people is the base case,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, make, that's, that really sums up a lot right there. The problem with people is people. I think that sums up a lot there.
2: Now, my other, I guess, like to follow that up, I would just like to ask. So, for me, like what really started my journey, even towards uh, Christ and like reading the Bible and kind of having this like thing that's always pulling me back to like, they're lying, they're lying, because I've always felt uh, like the pyramids, for example. Yeah, we definitely, they're just two, they're just two kings. It's like, uh, okay, but it even goes back further where I watched a Graham Hancock uh, documentary on the fact that. Gwedeckli Tepe, Atlantis could be real, Antarctica and the polarity of the Earth might not be what we think it is, all these things, right? And for me, I guess the number one thing is, Kazaria, is that a civilization or something that you've heard about that you believe to be real, or do you think that there were um, really highly intelligent civilizations uh, before the Great Flood?
0: I think that probably the way we look at technology was different before the great flood. I think that the way they went about things was probably different. You know, we've kind of gone down this mechanical electrical path to accomplishing things. And I think they had other methods, but I think that they were as, as technologically advanced in a different way or more than we are now, if I had to guess. Um, But I don't, you know that—that's a whole other subject, man. We could do a podcast just on that. So, if we want to get into the whole Bitcoin thing, um, do, you, do you want me to? Do you want me to start with the groundwork for where we're sitting right now today? Is that okay? Yeah, jump into it. Yeah, jump into it. Okay, so basically, well, where we're sitting in the world situation, most people know this. After World War II, we had. The money almost, actually, it was before World War One really, that the money went squishy. And they didn't officially go off the gold standard, but they were suspending things. They were um, changing the, you know, they changed the rules. They changed where the dollar was compared to gold. They, they were already inflating things. Yep. So it really started back then. and. The, thing, the first thing you have to understand about this is how incentives are baked into society. And I think Bitcoiners are better positioned to understand that than just about anybody. The, when you have an incentive, it's like a, a great example is the way we do politics, right? To get into a political office, you have to have all kinds of money and power backing you just, just to get into office. And by the time you get there, you're beholden to people in a way that, that sort of limits your field of action, right? that's a fairly simple
1: sort of example, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I guess, it, are you getting at the idea that if I'm being supported uh, financially or otherwise by this group, I'm now kind of beholden to what their view is and how they want things to go. Is that what you're getting at or, or are you talking about a different idea? I'm, that is, that is an
0: incentive. Yes. Another incentive is when we get married, we have a legal thing that we do. And we have a social thing that we do. We get in front of the people we care about and we commit to another person for the rest of our lives. That gives us an incentive to stay married. It gives us an incentive to stay with that person. And it's a bloody good thing because marriage is difficult. And as you get down the road, you go, wow, this is really hard. I'm really glad that I have these sort of fences that I've put up to keep me where I know I should be, even when I don't feel like it. Okay, that's a good incentive. But it's a totally different incentive. It's not a financial one. It's a social and legal one. So incentives can come in all kinds of different forms, but when you start looking at the world that we live in right now in terms of incentives, the political system is so hemmed in by incentive traps that the field in which they can operate. And I'm jumping past a lot here, but the idea is you have to look at every layer of incentives that control how society lives, how people live, how uh, how politics is shaped, what what they can and can't talk about, the decisions that they have to make, the the everything plays into it. But they're so incentive-trapped that they really can't do much of anything at this point. Yeah, the the I, I like playing it. field is like, this big.
1: Yeah. I, I like to think of, uh, incentives, uh, <clears throat> kind of in a sense of these are lenses that we're looking through to, to try to see what is reality. Um, and whenever you get multiple lenses, how distorted could reality really be in terms of what you believe and what you're able to actually take action and doing? Because man, it's really difficult. Talk about, uh, being a Christian, right. And, and operating with yep. uh, Christ as the standard. Man, in a million different ways, and probably more, um, we're we're operating against the flow. We're operating against the status quo of what is normal in society.
0: Absolutely, and and incentives are, you know, some of the more recent, more powerful ones are: you lose your job if you don't get this particular medical procedure. Things like that. You know, we we've, we've had this happen in the not too distant past. It's every single level we have them. So where I start is that the political playing field is really narrow. And that means that the power games that are, that by our constitution were intended to be pushed into the political are overflowing into other arenas. Okay. And before we move on, let's look at the U S constitution just for a short second here. I think that it's, it's a great, um, analogy for Bitcoin in a lot of ways. It's a set of rules that are enforced by humans, but the idea is you're pitting people who are um, at odds with each other over a certain subject, you know, regional powers in the country against each other under a set of rules to try to keep them in check, to try to keep that, um, to try to keep what would we say? How, how would you put it into words, Nick?
1: What, what, what do you think
0: about, uh, how do you think the B- Byzantine General's problem falls into this? I think that's a great, yeah, that, that's actually a great way to put it. The Byzantine General's problem, how do you send a message to somebody you don't trust through another person you don't trust? And, and the U.S. Constitution was sort of set up to manage all of that, right? And we see that it has fallen apart because the power centers shifted. I don't yep. think anybody would deny that at this point. The US Constitution is kind of a null document because we've kind of the power center shifted and people just ignore it. Yep. Yeah, I can agree with
1: that. Yeah, and I think that the Byzantine generals problem is is something that is very interesting, right? Like j- you're yep. just saying, how do I send how do I send a message to person C that goes through person B who I may or may not trust and also have confidence that my message is not being obscured through that process? Right? But I think um, you know in, in terms of the Constitution right you have these these three primary branches where there are checks and there are supposed to be checks and balances of how things can happen. I think we could also probably say that that, that, that the uh, constitutional system uh, is kind of designed to operate and make change very slow because man, how, how, how bad would it be if we were, oh well, I feel bad today. I'm gonna make this decision. And then, you know, like, where would we be if there wasn't that slow-moving system? I think Bitcoin is very similar in that as well. Right. And and so there are, there are some parallels there. It's not a perfect similarity
0: because sure. in Bitcoin, the software enforces the rules and you don't have to rely on human enforcement. And And that's, in a sense, that's a big improvement, right? But at the yeah. same time, the basic pattern at the base of things is that you pit opposing forces, people who don't trust each other against one another in order to try to make it so that those rules are preserved. So, you know, you and I and 5 million other people using Bitcoin and we don't really trust everybody, which means it's in our best interest to see the rules preserved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, thinking about incentive structures there too. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, maybe this is, I'll leave that. I think that we'll probably get into that
2: topic here a little later on.
1: Griff, were you going to say something there? Were you going to add something?
2: No, I just I think it's so interesting how so many people get into uh, Bitcoin or even just even religion, right? And what do we all start talking about? The Constitution, or we start talking about freedom technologies. And Jared, I, I don't know what you would think are the most important, if you will, freedom technologies of human history. But I would say like, Martin Luther, um, and his 95, uh, sorry, maybe 94. I apologize. Sometimes I lose faith. No, that's right. Sorry, I lose, I lose, like, track of the actual, uh, hard facts, but Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation, before the Constitution was probably, like, the last thing for, for freedom, printing press. Right? Uh, printing press. Yeah, that's another good one. But the world... So, similar time frame. Freedom technology, right? Like, technologies that boost freedom for humans. Uh, we've Like you said, we fuck them up every single time. We fuck up everything that we do good. Like, you think about the printing press, think about how quickly that was centralized and all of a sudden used for propaganda only, basically. Like, it's just used... Our communication is always almost used against us, even social media. You would think the internet should uh, improve consciousness. More people should find God. The world should become a better place. But what happens? Ad revenue gets involved. Things behind the scenes happen, and these freedom technologies just, like, they just get freaking dismantled by humans like mm-hmm. humans we mess up our own freedom cycle problem, time humans
0: shortens and humans. <laughs> yeah and yeah. the cycle time shortens is what happens so you know back in the time of the printing press it took hundreds of years for a political cycle for a civilization to sort of you know rise and fall like the roman empire it took how long for the Roman empire to rise and fall where the United States empire, the American empire has risen and fallen in the course of a tiny fraction of that. And that was with technology that is much less than what we've got today. So what we see there is a shortening of the cycle time. Okay. That plays into this too, which is, it's great that it got brought up. So, okay. So then the other, the other piece of context here that is pretty important that how would I say it this one kind of goes out of the secular realm a little bit, but it, it's still observable from a secular perspective. And that is, but it's easier to visualize if you imagine that we are being controlled by spiritual beings, that there are spiritual beings that are actually poking their fingers into human affairs and stirring things around. Okay. And and that goes something like this. We see a couple of different sides in the world in a general sense. You've got the sort of call it the left woke side which is i would i would put the world economic forum and all of their flunkies kind of in there i would put a lot of the those sorts of um people who want to do social engineering on everybody else belong in that sort of bucket and then in the other bucket i would say we have a group of people who sort of champion individual freedom in some sense right it's like You know, Elon Musk buying Twitter, he has made an effort, and I I think it's genuine, to try to increase the amount of free speech you can have on Twitter. He actually seems to value individual liberty to some degree, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I I would agree with that.
0: Okay, so... This is, and when when you start looking at this in depth and and you spend time kind of meditating on it and and paying attention to it and looking for it, you start to see this almost, it's almost mind blowing how, how much it comes out where you see two different sides of a a sort of a world chessboard call one, the dark side of the chessboard and the other, the light side of the chessboard. Okay. And the dark side you would think of as the world economic forum and the people who want to socially engineer us and the light side, you would think of as the people who are for individual freedom and enlightenment. And um, basically they, they've put their money on the individual and the way they would express it is the greatest Advance of Western civilization was seeing the value of the individual, and that that is what has allowed us to progress technologically the way we have. And I think there's some truth in that.
1: So, uh, okay, now that we're getting into this very specific topic, this is where we kind of really wanted to focus in on uh, kind of this conversation. So, you, you mentioned yep. the chessboard, right? There's two yep. sides of the chessboard. We could say. Good and bad, um, we could say. Um, kind of. Collect- I like light and dark. Collectivism, light and dark, collectivism versus the individual. Um, what are you? De- what? How, what do you define as that chessboard? What is that chessboard in your mind?
0: I would say that that chessboard is real power in the world, and how it um, in, in all of its forms and on all of its battlefields. So you have a political battlefield. There are light and dark chess pieces on that battlefield. You have the corporate battlefield. There are light and dark chess pieces moving around on that battlefield. You have anywhere where you can have a a power dynamic, you tend to have those different chess pieces. You can even point to religious places where you have the light and dark chessboard, right? Where there are certain religions, and I'm not going to call anybody out here because it doesn't do any good, but you've got certain religions that tend to be on the darker side of things, more collective, more um, what would we say, more tending toward social engineering and you have other uh, religions that tend to be more on the light side of the chessboard and they would tend more toward individualism and um, looking toward freedom, right? So, anywhere where you can have a human power dynamic, you have this chessboard. And it seems pretty clear to me as a Christian that that chessboard is being manipulated by spiritual beings, that this isn't just humans acting in concert. You know, there are people who like to throw around terms like with this, with the whole COVID thing, they'd throw around terms like, um, Oh, what was it? Mass? Um, I can't remember the the term they used. You know the one I'm talking about? Like a you're talking about mass manipulation,
1: mass psyop, mass psychosis. Uh, the mass psychosis thing. Griff, Griff, do you have a thought on that? I know you're you're big on these types of ideas.
2: Well, I just wanted to pause it for a second because I, I know you, you you mentioned not wanting to call anybody out, so I'm not trying to get you to call anybody out specifically here, but there are uh as i listen to the presidential update there is a world war at play and in the context of uh bitcoiners we understand that the united states is in a position that almost every world reserve currency and the nation state or the flag that we put behind that world reserve currency is at uh is at a point of inflection here where it's like yeah we're causing way more harm than good or was that always the intention but we have hamas we have Zionists. we have Jews, we have Palestine, we have Russia, we have North Korea versus South Korea now going on, we have all of these things in the world going on, and in my opinion, you know, not to call anybody out, but the state of Israel is run by a controversial group, and it was formed, and it was uh, funded by a controversial group, and it, those are the Zionists, uh, and then there are Jews, and to yep. you, Jared, there's, a, there's, a, there's an obvious difference of who those guys are and actually... Where did they come from? And I know I mentioned Khazaria before, and I know that might be a little bit out there for a lot of people, but there was a civilization before the Ottoman Empire uh, that that dominated, or maybe there were multiple. Uh, and before then, there was a lot of uh, pagans, a lot of satanic worship, a lot of uh, culture and society built on, really, like, evil. And to say, or for people to believe that that, through world history, is just gone. I think is one of our biggest problems because I'm not trying to say Zionists are the literal devil or that they're satanic, but mind you, these guys do not seem to care about Jews at all. They don't seem to care about anybody but themselves. It really, to me, seems like uh, nobody wants to say it, but the Zionists themselves have a lot more questions uh, to be answered than really anybody else because they're trying to tell us Oh, support us! We're Jews. We're Jews. We're, we're we're not bad people. We're not doing anything wrong. But what do you think about like the di- like how people are not even recognizing really the difference between uh, a Zionist, a Jew, a Muslim, uh, a a royal family that just has a crap load of oil money saying they're Muslims? Like, what do you think yeah. about? Almost the perversion of each religion because even uh, we, let's go to Christianity too. America is yep. supposed to be this, uh, really like more, more than anything, than a Christian backed society, or we were created by Freemasons or people who believed in Jesus Christ. And now, look where we're at. This is like a society of I don't even know what I want to call it a society of five digit Starbucks codes on bathrooms. <laughs> That's what we've become. But okay. what do you think about Okay, that? so
0: what do, I, what do I think? I think that. I think that when you get into that um, arena, you have to look at how the power is exercised. Any t- Somebody pointed this out to me recently, and actually, Nick, you're, you might get an O oh moment when you hear this. I did. I saw an article. My wife showed me an article, and, and the article, the guy was claiming, he says, hierarchy was introduced to humanity by the enemy by the fallen angels. Mm -hmm. Hierarchy is not something that God instituted among humans. He instituted authority, but that's closer to responsibility for a set of things. It's not hierarchy and command over people. So I think when you introduce hierarchy into any kind of religious setting, you're essentially putting an enemy's construct in charge of people who claim to be Doing God's work or in God's business, and so anytime you anytime you introduce hierarchy into religion, you corrupt the religion necessarily, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Where, so thinking about going back to that chessboard. Yeah. Uh, one one thought to to continue uh, moving forward. You're saying uh, on the light and dark on the chessboard. These are human. These are human things. Correct. I'm saying that it goes beyond the human level, but I'm saying that.
0: That at a human level, you can definitely see those factions yeah. and people who adhere to them yeah. very clearly. So then, it's like um, what's his name? Uh, James Lindsay talks about the uh, the nos the modern nos. I don't know if you know about James Lindsay. He is a character and a half man, and he is he is out to get the left in about the most aggressive. Uh, speech campaign you've ever encountered in your life the guy is the guy's totally aggressive and what he says is he says that there are their gnostics their modern gnosticism okay so what is gnosticism gnosticism is actually satanism as it's practiced in reality so when you talk about freemasonry fear freemasonry is a direct offshoot of gnosticism
1: yeah so going to your hierarchy piece here, and then talking about that Gnosticism piece, um, yeah. I think we can't we can't have that conversation and not talk about pride. Um, and and sure. this is this is one piece right where you talk about um, kind of the 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 darker side. Well, no, sorry, the dark side. Right, we, we kind of see as I think a lot of uh, reasonable, logical people could say that doesn't seem like a good thing. Uh, that yeah. social engineering thing seems bad. Okay. And then as human on, beings, the, on that light side, we think about the to, individual to, side. That's pride. To, to your
0: point, human beings, when they, when we take things in as a whole, we have this pretty good, we know them by their fruit. We can tell that's not good, right? I agree, yeah.
1: So I, I think uh, I think something that's interesting, and Griff and I were just having a conversation about this yesterday, is pride, right? Yeah. And, and I would say, uh, I would argue that pride, it, it, it comes from a place of not, uh, not putting God in a high enough position. Whenever we start thinking that we can do things on our own, when we start thinking that we can do things without God, uh, that ultimately leads to really bad consequences. And, and when you start thinking about those power dynamics right on the chessboard, um, I can't help, and, and, the, and the hierarchies of that authority, um, I can't help but think that it's really easy for a human being to fall into the trap of prideful uh, uh, prideful thoughts, prideful action let's, being taken.
0: Let's take this to the next step and Along the lines of what you just said, I'm going I'm to make two statements in fairly short succession here. Number one, both sides of this chessboard are being played by the enemy. This is not good versus evil. This is light versus dark. It's a sleight of hand. It's a dialectic. It's thesis, antithesis, synthesis. The idea is if you put if you put two sides out there, human beings are going to feel the need to join one. So you make one of them really horrible and the other a lot less horrible. And the people who are less likely to be fooled will will jump on the less horrible side most of the time. So that's statement number one. And number right. two is... On the light side of that chessboard, do you know what the sin of Satan was? I'm sure you do, Nick. It was, I would say pride. pride. It was pride. I agree. And so the way I would describe it goes like this. Satan decided to raise himself up above the stars of heaven, the, the spiritual beings of heaven, and God's throne. That was his desire. And that was sort of an individualistic thing, even. It was, I want power for me. I want to be better than whatever. It wasn't a collectivist thought that put him there.
1: Yeah. So uh, I I like those two thoughts. I'm going to push back on you in your first one that yeah. um, in, in your first your first one was that both light and dark sides of this chessboard are played by the same uh, by the same entity and, and we could call this the opposition Satan and devil right
0: well and, and and I think using single a single entity for that is probably wrong because in every pantheon in history Greek, Roman whatever you see different actors. The the key is the whole pantheon is against God. Okay so so, a lot, and, and when you look in Revelation, you see this dragon. How many heads does the dragon have, Nick? Uh, I forget exactly. It's not just one head, it's a multi headed dragon. I think it's like 10 or yep. seven heads and 10 horns, or I don't, I don't know. But the point is, the idea is that of this dragon having just one um, being just one entity as we would think of it is probably wrong. And if you're looking at it in those terms, then you're going to be missing
1: a lot. So uh, I will push back on uh, on that first uh, on the idea that this is played by the same being, and I'm going to use some scripture here. Let's get into the word a little bit. Um, so I would argue that uh, that there are that there are multiple beings. We could agree that there are multiple uh, beings above this human plane um, that are playing on the board. Uh, but I would also argue that there is a true good and a true bad. And let's say in terms of Christianity, let's say it's God versus Satan, right? And I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna refer to um, the story of Job. The story of Job is very interesting. But in uh, in the very beginning of Job, he, he talks. Uh, God talks about. Uh, he kind of lays out this this uh, idea of how righteous Job is, right? And then um, uh, a group of angels, uh, accompanied by Satan, come to God, and uh, and ultimately um, Satan says, uh, you know, I've, I've roamed the, the the entire earth, and uh, and He's talking about Job, and uh, and God says, "Well, have you have you have you gone to see Job? He's very he's a righteous man, and and you you can't make him bend to to your will. He will he will uh, he will focus on me." And in verse twelve uh, of Job, in chapter one, verse uh, twelve, and that full story, kind of that um, the the angels coming with Satan, his verses There's... six through twelve, uh, and, and I... the Lord says, "Very well." Satan says, "Okay, well, you've got a hedge around around Job. You blessed him. Take that hedge away, and surely he will bend to my will." And and God says, "Very well." And I think in that, it, whenever He says, "Very well," there, I would say that that is God giving Satan permission to to continue doing what He's doing. Now, refer to Romans chapter twelve, verse okay. two. It says, like, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, so don't be conformed to this world, and then in John chapter seventeen, I think you have misunderstood me. 16, uh Jesus is praying for the disciples, and he says, "My prayer is that you is that uh, is that you take them not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Right? Exactly. And is the standard Christ? Is exactly. The standard. That's exactly
0: right. Okay, so here's how this plays into that chessboard I'm talking about. Yep. and the reason. Okay, so the reason that I laid that out the way I did, and I did not call it good and evil, Mm -hmm. I called it light and dark, is because you're right. There are real good and real evil in the world. But God's agenda is not to play chess with power in the world. God doesn't do that. He has all the power he needs and wants. He is there to accomplish objectives that don't really fit into the power plays of modern nations, right? When when you can raise somebody from the dead just because you decide that's what you want to do, you can raise the whole world from the dead, your objectives look a lot different from the rest of what <laughs> human beings would think of. So yeah. here's the way I see it. There is good versus evil going on. God is doing his thing. He is accomplishing his goals. And most of the time, he doesn't actually care all that much what satan's doing because he doesn't have to jesus has all authority we as christians are protected from the enemy as we walk with christ through this world that where satan is putting on his theater the white light and dark sides of the chessboard are theater put on by satan to try to confuse us
1: so you would God, say that, but, so you would say that that chessboard is the is the evil side of this uh, good evil, right? Now, and, and yes. then on that on that evil side is that chessboard where there is light and dark. Okay, yes. so so see, because this is where I, I start thinking about oh politics, right? Yes, you start thinking I mean, about that's politics. That's exactly right, and, and well, you really politics- want to say you, you want to say oh I like the left or I like the right, and it gets the people to start dividing against themselves, and a house divided cannot stand.
0: That's exactly right. You've you've got it exactly right, Nick. And and so when I look at the world, that's what I see. I see God going about His business, accomplishing His goals, bringing people in to His church, despite and through the political and social and cultural stuff going on. And when enough of a society decides to commit to God, you get this this effect where the society sort of turns Christian, and it is in the enemy's interest to start using God's language to describe his own chess pieces, which is where a lot of the light side of the chessboard gets its nomenclature. The light side of the chessboard uses a sort of a A Christian motif in the West because that's convenient and that suits the enemy does not mean that that's God's objective or that those are God's people doing that or that God is it's God's will that people take political power. And in fact, political power seems to be pretty off to
1: the side for God. He wants us. He wants our hearts. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I would I would um, I want to add in a quick caveat um, and then we and then I really want to start laying into how is yes. Bitcoin a part of this light side of that dark chessboard? Um, OK, so one caveat I want to add, add in um, is, you know, and I got to give a shout out to my coach, Chris Hart here in Tulsa. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, we've talked a lot about the truth. And I would tell you that, that this right here, this is the truth. The word is the truth. And, and, uh, and, and I think, you know, we can, we can also make ties to money in this sense, right? Um, there's a lot of counterfeit monies out there, right? And it would be really difficult, uh, you know, think about this more so in the past, right? When we, when we were using real precious metals, it's really easy to create counterfeit monies, right? We could uh, make a different metal and coat it with something that looked like the real thing. Well... Once you get a certain number of counterfeits out there, it becomes really difficult to keep track of those counterfeits. And so, whenever we get into kind of this this spiritual realm of things, right? Um, the devil it it it, uh, it, it says it in uh, it talks about it in Ephesians. He's a he's an accuser and a slanderer. Now he's going to try to he's going to try to and a liar and he's going to try to put counterfeit truth in our life to trap us up. And trip us up and to, to fall into this trap. And so I would say, um, in order to in order to um, fight against or resist the falling into that counterfeit truth, we have to be intimate with the truth. So that when we know the truth, yes. we immediately spot that counterfeit. So that's the caveat yes. I want to add in. Yes, and
0: now in moving into the Bitcoin part of this conversation, I'm going to ask a question and then. I'm gonna sort of answer it myself, but but I think probably you'll have input here because it's it's pretty obvious. If you were if you were directing this chessboard for the enemy and you were like, okay, it's just about time for all for this show to end, and for me, the enemy, to make the strongest stand I can, to take the most of the world I can. That means that it's time to pull as many people into my game as I possibly can. So how do you do that? Number one, you intensify the conflict. And number two, you design a weapon that destroys one side of that chessboard. So how do you design a weapon that destroys one side of that chessboard? You make it look like it's a good thing. You make it look like it's a good thing, but it actually has to be a good thing because you can't fool people that easily. Here's here's the way it has to go if you want it to work right. It has to be a good thing up until it has accomplished the objective you want it to accomplish. Then it has to be totally manipulable by you at that point. Okay? Okay. And and so now, in one sentence, I can explain to you, having that groundwork laid, I can explain to you why I think Bitcoin could be that weapon. It's because all of the game theory of Bitcoin is perfect. It is the hardest money in the world. It is going to suck in the entire world financial system. I can't see any alternative. I have... I have tried to game it out in my head. I've tried to see the patterns. And if I have a gift for anything, Nick, it's seeing patterns. And I can't see a way in which Bitcoin fails to suck in the entire financial world because its game theory is so good. Okay? And until... Well, while there are opposing forces that are controlling Bitcoin, while you have enough hostile parties that, are, that have... Opposing interests that that are used to run the system, it is also incorruptible, yep. which makes it the perfect weapon to take out the modern dark side of the, um, what would you call it, dark side of the chessboard. It is the perfect weapon, and it's going to do it. There is no way around it. It's happening, man. We're going to win. That's the good news. Yep. Bitcoin's going to win. Yep. I don't see a way around it. I agree. And, and until it wins, it is the most honest, the most trustworthy, the most good money in the world. I also don't see a way around that because when you talk about truth, Bitcoin Twitter, a huge portion of Bitcoin Twitter talks about Bitcoin and truth, right? That's a huge theme. And there's truth to it. Bitcoin is the closest thing that humans have come up with to something that we can't gain.
2: Yep. I agree. I think uh, <clears throat> to interject yeah. my thoughts because uh, the chessboard in your episode and uh, kind of like just where I'm at in my life, uh, kind of in my own personal renaissance in regard to back to being extremely open minded, accepting a lot of uh, new thought. Uh, and I like you, Jared. It's like yeah, Bitcoin is is the best money. Bitcoin is the best money right but i think what kind of we're talking about is the fact that in and of itself bitcoin is not money money and like the construct of money is the chessboard and to call bitcoin money or to even think about it in the way that we think about money in and of itself is evil because bitcoin just to me personally bitcoin just is humans use bitcoin as money but what is bitcoin really because it's a right now, it's a it's a it's a ledger. It is a way for us to, in a sense, monetize wasted energy. It is a way to solve the business t general's problem. There just doesn't seem to me to be anything that Bitcoin won't touch, and that doesn't just really stop with what money is, because what money is is actually like if we're talking about being human <clears throat> humans, money is not a complicated problem to solve. It's just that. The devil seems to me like when I'm listening to you talk about it, the devil is able to even just use money like money to him is is got to be he could play both sides of the coin till the end of till the end of forever, because money is the easiest way to even to go. Well, how are you going to argue as a Bitcoiner that, you know, you're buying something that you think is going to appreciate so greatly that you're going to whatever you buy in 20 years you're going to basically own the world like i mean like i have enough bitcoin that if you really divide the world by 21 million i have more money in a sense than what cities are worth today and it doesn't uh to me uh seem like we'll get to this point uh in my lifetime at least unfortunately but bitcoin is not money it's 10 years yeah, I mean it, it honestly like the way that you describe it and I agree with you, I think what is really really scary, the scariest outcome to me is actually within uh, the next having if you see that 10,000 percent candle if you see that hyperinflationary event too quickly, yep. you're gonna be giving a lot of people what they think is money like they're like, oh I have money and I have more money than other people and even though I'm a great person and I believe in truth and I want to do the right thing, you cannot do the, there is no doing the right thing. The doing the right thing with money is the devil winning. I mean, even in your chessboard, I, I agree. Okay. It's like oh, they're winning, but is I, the I would, money?
0: I would have a little bit of a different take on that. Um, I would say that money is just a representation of human energy expended. It's it's our way of taking our our physical energy that we've expended to accomplish a job and to put that into something that we can trade with each other. So it's a conceptual idea, but it's also kind of necessary for human society to function. And as long as we have a human society, we will have some medium of exchange. We will have some kind of money that doesn't make money evil in and of itself. Where you run into evil is when you try to take power over other people. When you use money in a way that is bad, what the Bible says about it actually is that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, not the root of all evil, the root of all kinds of evil, which means it's the love of the thing that's the problem. The thing itself is just a means to an end. It's just a tool. Now, it is all. It is definitely the most potent tool we as humans possess. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and to add further context to the money side of things, um, we cannot serve, you, you mentioned this, uh, in your podcast, right? We cannot serve both two masters, dot, dot, dot. Um, you cannot serve both God and money, right? We know that you, you, you will, uh, love the one and despise the other. I forget the exact terminology. There's a couple of pieces in there, but we cannot serve yeah. two masters. We cannot serve both God and money. That's right.
2: But also in you, what you guys are describing, uh, to me, at least like what I'm hearing a lot of this is that we're not really from here or we're not really meant to be here. We just are here in the devil's chessboard. And there really is nothing that we can use, uh, on either side to, to win that battle because we ourselves are not really from here. And what I think about a lot is I talk about tight, like I don't talk about this, but I hear people talk about, you know, in the mark of the beast, kind of what you're describing one world currency, uh, a logo, uh, you know, using open good versus that inflation is dark, Having something finite that's perfectly divisible and has the game theory of Bitcoin is light. But either side of this coin, it is the devil because no matter what we do, it is not, uh, it is really like if we take money and and what we, if we use Bitcoin and we don't achieve some sort of greater consciousness globally, uh, it will just be perverted, just like every other money we've ever, we will fuck this up. Okay, so... Humans are going to fuck up Bitcoin. I mean, look, we're celebrating an ETF (laughs) for basically the biggest conglomerate in the world to go, oh, go BlackRock, and we're actually even rooting for them uh, to be able to not pull out from this ETF cash. Even BlackRock is like, yeah, we don't want it to be... We Fuck cash. Like They've realized the dollar is dead, and people are rooting for this, right? Which is like, I get why people are rooting for this. I mean, even myself, I hope to accomplish a lot in life, and I hope that Bitcoin goes up to forever. I'm not trying to say that, oh, I hope Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is going to get fucked up. We're not going to be able to stop that. There's no, there's nothing for us to do. But to me, it's like we, like you said, we use numbers. We use all, all kinds of things. Uh, humans use all kinds of shit to just quantify what God is. What is is. It's like it's such a hard thing to get
0: through. Here, here's here's the thing about this. what you said about Satan, though, Griffin. And it's that human, it wasn't Satan who was given dominion over the earth. That isn't his responsibility. The way he got it was by manipulating humans. He sort of perverted humanity and brought them into his, what would you call it? We basically play his game. And as long as humanity does that, then he has control of the chessboard. But when humanity no longer plays his game, when humanity is no longer um, damaged, then that whole thing changes, and he didn't have any power anyway.
1: Well, go, and also go back and add in uh, the idea of Christ being the standard, right? Christ is the standard. If we can agree that Christ is the standard, Jared, I think you and I would. Uh, yeah. Griff, I, I know uh, we've had a lot of conversations about this recently. If that is true, uh, going back to, to a verse that I, that I uh, read earlier, it's John chapter 17, Uh, I think this is verse 16, where Jesus is praying for the disciples. And he says, they are not of this world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So if Christ is not of the world, if he is the standard, then we are, we should not be of the world, right? We cannot conform to the world, but be transformed by renewing of our mind to reference uh, Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 as well. That's a favorite one. Yeah. Yeah, no,
2: I I agree with you. Oh, I apologize. I guess no, you're good. Um, because um, it seems to me, before the great flood, it was like there had to have been some form of money or something, because these people were achieving. Uh, I mean, honestly, the devil or the these these evil people were achieving so much that this guy built an ark for a hundred years, and they thought their shit was so great that they didn't even jump on this thing. You know, they didn't even join them, and. To me, that sees like maybe it was more of a type two civilization before the flood, but it was a type two civilization in in the devil's image. I mean, like it was just the worst place. It was pure evil. And no matter what that money was, it lost because we can fight the Federal Reserve. We can fight Zionists. We can fight central banks all we want. But that's not even the fight. The fight. Is much greater than what we can understand, and I, I don't know. So some of the stuff that I the fight like is
0: against human nature.
2: It's unbelievable, but these guys, even uh, back Jesus in, won. you know, I mean, you can look at a lot of these. Uh, what is it? Called, hieroglyphs, and you can see that these people understood that there was like a hexagon on Saturn. Like they understood that there was an outer space, and that there is uh, there are dimensions and things of that that we don't really understand. Like we can't even. See them as humans, and I'm wondering if you've ever dove into maybe not numerology or anything of that nature, but the 369, the vibration technology, frequencies, um, the fact that humans we're, we're humans, we don't even see the full spectrum of light, we barely even see the full spectrum of light. And some people describe Jesus Christ as not only an interdimensional being, but an interdimensional being that cared about us enough to sacrifice everything to give us what we even have now to even give us the opportunity of being here. And it is so interesting to me that consciousness seems so deep. It seems that Bitcoin was put here, right? Like you said, it was put here right at the right time, right as soon as too big to fail happens. And the United States, essentially, if you're anybody who knows anything about money, and I had no money at this point in time, and I was a kid, but if you're any, you know anything about money. As soon as two thousand eight happened, and they lower interest rates to zero, and the Federal Reserve starts buying treasuries, and they start backing our money with their own money, uh, they that is like the worst iteration of what uh, the most, the worst and most perverted version of human energy to ever exist in honestly all of world history. What we know to be world history up to this point, and so I wonder if you. Do you believe uh, in that there are more dimensions? Do you think that uh, God potentially is a ta- not ta- tangible in a sense that there are, uh, there is a dimension that once we leave here, uh, depending on the work that you do, there's another dimension that we just do not understand or do not see, that you will be judged. You will be judged for what you do here. You will be judged for what you do good or what you do bad or evil or this, that, or the other thing. But this other dimension exists, and the only time that we ever really experience uh, interdimensional beings really wanting to come and play in this playground, if you will, or this sandbox, is when it just—it just is like, okay, the dark is—it's just, guys, this is so dark, guys, this is so dark, and if I'm Jesus Christ, is like, it's so dark, guys, fuck you guys, I gotta go help these guys out, I gotta go help these guys out, these guys are getting screwed. Uh, God says to him, come here and save the world. And obviously there's a lot of context here that I shouldn't be speaking on. But uh, it's like, dude, go over there and save him. Or maybe, Jesus, maybe he's stepping outside his bounds to come save us because he believes in us. But it's so he said, interesting. To me. He yeah. said he does oh, his God.
0: father's will, Griff. He said he does his father's will. So he wasn't stepping outside of any bounds. He did exactly what God was instructing and wanting him to
1: do. Also, uh, another added piece of context, Griff, you've mentioned uh, the flood, right, the great flood. Um, so for context, right, uh, the Bible is a, a pretty large book, pretty large book. Okay, this is the top. This is where the great flood happens. So this is literally chapter six of the very first book of the Bible, and I'm, I'm reading a uh, I'm reading verses 5 and 6 here. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination and thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And now listen to this. In verse 6 it says, The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. And then, you know, the verses following that are kind of the introduction, uh, and then kind of zooming forward here, uh, chapter, or same, same chapter, chapter 6, verse 13, it says, So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am yep. surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And then, hey, you know, the, the flood follows those things. Could, could, we do,
0: could we do one thing before we get lost in any weeds?
1: Yeah. What's that?
0: Okay. When I when I bring this up to people, where I where with Bitcoiners, where I run into opposition is when we talk about how Bitcoin could possibly get screwed up. So can I can I sort of go over that just a little bit?
1: Because I think, yeah, I think it's a good topic. Yeah, yeah. Continue forward.
0: Okay. So we get to a point where Bitcoin does actually win. All of the game theory, all of the incentives, everything that's stacked into Bitcoin is built with the assumption that there are opposing power groups, power factions, power centers to keep the whole system balanced. And if it were ever to come to a point where those power centers were to shift, sort of like they did with the U.S., you know, the U.S. Constitution worked until the type of power centers they were talking about and the where, where they were located moved. And so with Bitcoin, if the, if the way it, the power in the world were structured were to change enough it would be totally possible to change the rules in a way that was, well, whatever was called for by the situation. And as sort of a a case in point, four years ago, would either of you guys have ever thought that it would be possible to do what was done to the U S during COVID? Would you have ever thought
1: it was possible? hundred percent agree. Yeah, no, no. The answer is no. I
2: personally speaking, and maybe this place, this is right. What you're saying. Not only would I have not thought like that was possible. I wouldn't have thought. I just didn't think there was not a lot of thought going on for me four years ago. I was just going with what was because I had passions outside of really anything personal, right? Like when I played football, and my whole goal was uh, football, and I didn't really think too much outside of what my personal day to day. Uh, What my personal goals were. So not only four years ago did I not think it was possible, but I didn't. I didn't like a lot of people. I don't even think I was thinking, you know, until then. Until they did that.
0: Kudos to you on the humility side, Griff. You know, it isn't. It isn't a lot of people who would actually say that. So good on you for admitting it. But you know, I'm with you, and most people in this country. Now I can't admit that I can't say that I didn't think so. I actually I was I was surprised how quickly and easily they accomplished it, and how little pushback there was. But I can't say I'm surprised it got there. I, I'm actually not. I was thinking about all of this even back then. A lot of these opinions that we're talking about now are opinions that I have been forming since you know I was like twelve. So I've been thinking about it for a long time, but but I wouldn't have expected it to be that fast or that easy. And so what I would say is if we get Bitcoin past the point where it wins, all of those incentives, all of that game theory, all of the stuff that currently works in its favor and makes it essentially the perfect indestructible weapon to take out the current financial system. All of those things kind of go by the wayside, the power structure shift and Anything goes. And that's how Bitcoin can get screwed up. And a lot of people like would like me to try to nail down exactly how that's going to happen. And I don't freaking know, man. There's no way to know. But the point is just that if you get enough people deciding that we need to make this change to the code, we need to make this change to the rules, and they're getting stampeded hard enough by a big enough force which if there are spiritual beings that are active in the world guess what there are some pretty serious forces there it would be totally possible to change that code in whatever way those spiritual beings think is advantageous and this is where i see the mark of the beast coming in and that is simply this that once everybody is onboarded to a single economic system a single currency it and it is an electronic currency and you can change the rules then it is absolutely trivial to say everybody has to do xy or z you name it whether it's whether it's getting a chip embedded in their hand or it doesn't matter the point is the network effect of money is stronger than the network effect of any other thing in existence and so, when the whole network effect of money is spread across the world, and only one money is used anywhere, it's it's as strong as saying everybody speaks the same language, and da- and God had to come down at the Tower of Babel and, and confuse their languages. It is exactly the same dynamic.
1: So, where you're going on this, right? Is uh, which wait, I, wait, wait, I wait, can
2: we can we get a little more uh, the Babel. I, I don't really understand. I don't know the story. I don't understand the story of somebody. Could give okay. Spark some notes. because it was Yeah. The, the, in my
0: name it's actually, it's actually a very short story in the Bible. The, the idea is this after the flood, um, God told Noah and his kids, you all spread out across the earth and populate it and fill it up and subdue it. And instead of doing what God said, all the people stayed in one place and they built a great big city and they they looked at each other. Excuse me. They looked at each other and they said, um, "If if you know we haven't done what God wants, we need to build a tower up to heaven and bring God down to us because we can't. Well, <laughs> the idea is we can't have this kind of flood thing happen again. And the key the key passage here, the key point is what God said when He actually confused their language. He said." They have one language and they're of one accord and if we, don't, if we don't do something about this, there's nothing that's going to be denied to them. They're going to be able to do anything they decide to do. And so God came down and confused their languages. That, that's the short version of the Tower of Babel. But what I would say about this is basically that what we're looking at is the network effect of language. Right now we have how many languages in the world. And the more people you get in one language, the more that network allows them to accomplish, right? And it's like the Internet. The more people who are on the Internet, the more the network effect allows them to accomplish. With money, the more people you have using the same money, the more powerful that network effect is, and the harder it is to break out of it.
1: Griff, and for the listeners, the the story of the Tower of Babel is in Genesis chapter eleven, it's verses one through nine. And and yeah, to, to, to thank you, uh, Nick. I don't have my Bible to, handy here. To so. add, to, add uh, to to speak that exact word there, we are talking here. It says uh, this is verse five. It says, "But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building." The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. This is why it was called Babel. Because the there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there... The Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth, and then it continues on with with the story of Jim and Ab- Abram.
2: Duolingo, Duolingo is the fucking devil, my God! Yeah! Uh, I know that that is such an interesting story because obviously we all, uh, man, we all. It's so it's so funny because, like I said, I wasn't thinking, and honestly, like i I hope I hope to say the same thing about myself in four years, like even this version of myself that's talking to everybody today still not thinking enough because uh, you know, I talk all the time now and I I think one of my biggest things is uh, in the Bible, like education or spreading knowledge. Like I accept knowledge the same way I like to give it just transparent as, as, as possible. Like I just, I don't really know anything, but like I do ask a lot of questions uh, and I feel like that's the only way to try, try my best to go about it. But I mean, you know, maybe to bring this back to the money, there's a whole bunch of people that have no clue that the fractional reserve requirement in the United States is 0%. There is no requirement for the banks that everybody uses to even have your money. They don't even have your money. There is no money. And so people are not thinking. There's no thought. Consciousness is not only dead in this world, but it's been attacked. And uh, almost, do you think the same division of Babel? right where we don't speak these same languages is this also the same type of tool though that like we also cannot communicate now like nobody really understands nobody really knows anything anymore we're all just kind of like out here on a rock in space just kind of like not figuring anything out together it's almost like we're in a dark ages more than we are in this technologically advanced society technology doesn't even really matter if nobody believes in God I mean it just doesn't it it, it just doesn't even matter because we're not using it well right
0: Griff, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So what I would say is, yeah, you know what? I've spent a lot of my life thinking and it has not brought me wealth. It has not brought me happiness. It has not brought me much. But when I trust in the Lord, that brings me all of the good things. So... I was I was having a, a similar
1: conversation yesterday. Jared um, was talking about I, I'm trying to understand this. I'm trying to learn this. I'm trying to understand this. And the guy I was talking to. He said, "Don't try to understand it. Ask the Lord to to reveal to you what the truth is." Which uh, I think Amen. is very true. Now I want to I want to come back to this idea that now we're, in, we're you know zoomed into the future at some point and we are yeah. we are living in a hyper Bitcoinized world where. Uh, Bitcoin is a base layer of, of economic value transfer. Okay. Yep. Um, and and uh, I, I think that you're spot on in terms of what kind of event, could there be some type of, of an event that uh, that that forces people to act in a state of fear, that, that forces people to act in a state of fear, just like what happened in COVID, just like what happened in COVID, to say, this is what we need to do. We got to do this now. This is what we got to do. Okay. So and then and then could that could that event whatever that event may be hashtag aliens uh, could that event? Oh, you mean the second coming? Yeah, or, or the second coming exactly. Well, you well, said
0: aliens and I said the right. second coming. We're saying the same thing. I mean, right?
1: These uh, they, so there could be an event that could cause coercion for people uh, to to make a change to the base protocol of what Bitcoin is today. Now, I, I I want to think about this kind of in terms of uh, the technical side of how Bitcoin works. Um, yeah. So there is there's this core protocol, and we know that the the, the vast majority of crypto land uh, is uh, is uh, abstractions of or manipulations of what Bitcoin's true protocol was. Right. And we know right. that there's differences, right? But but uh, right. but generally, there's a million different uh, hard forks and soft forks of what Bitcoin is today. Now, if something like that were to happen, man, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, if I've got all of my wealth in Bitcoin, for example, got all of my wealth stored in Bitcoin, and now I'm being put in a position where I have to make a decision to change the protocol. Now, this is for node operators, right? Um, I'm now in a position where I've got to change the protocol that could... that could um, Extremely devalue uh, what my existing wealth is. Okay. Um, Now, we talked about incentive structures earlier, right? Yep. What is so again, uh, now, what could that event be? Freaking who knows? I mean, probably a million different things that we could come up with. It's it's a black swan. Yeah, That's a lost exactly. nobody, right. one. Nobody sees that coming. Exactly. And, and so, you know, obviously we're going to sit here today and think, well, there's no way that that could happen. Okay, let's zoom back to 2019. Let's zoom back to 2020 and, and let's shut down all the businesses. Let's isolate everyone. Let's fire people if they don't get the vaccine. Let's do these things. We, we would have sat there in, in 2018, beginning of 2019, and thought, there's no way that this could happen. And, man, I can't help but think. They're, they're absolutely... Could be some possibility that um, that there is uh, some black swan event that coerces people to that to to make a change in, in something that they feel is the right thing. Now, the question is, who who am I focusing on? What is my standard? What am I serving? Right, we cannot serve two masters. Am I serving my Bitcoin? Am I serving Absolutely. God? Where are my values? So I don't know. These are these are interesting questions. These are interesting things to think about, Jared.
0: You know. For myself, over the past, what, year and a half, so just just to bring my personal story into this a little bit, to sort of inform what you just said, I quit my job about a year and a half ago for reasons that don't actually matter. It was It was a family business I was working for, and to preserve relationships and to make things work, I needed to not be there. So I quit. And at the time, I'm like, okay, God, should I be writing a book now? And the answer I got was, yeah, you can do that. So I'm like, okay, cool, because so I something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. So I started writing a book, but I had a fair bit in savings. You know, we didn't have a lot of money, but I had a fair bit in savings. And over the past year and a half, we've been living on that. Do you know, when you live on your savings and you watch that wealth that you accumulated, blood, sweat, and tears, absolute misery, just, trickling through your fingers especially when you know about Bitcoin and you've stacked a big chunk of it into Bitcoin. Do you know what that feels like? Because I didn't. I thought I would. I thought I understood it. But man, I did not get it. And I'll tell you what, over the past couple of months, getting in front of God and saying, yes, I will keep doing what you want me to do, even though it is costing me this has been about the hardest thing I've ever done, guys. So I would say, if you think that this Bitcoin, this money doesn't have a hold on you, try getting rid of it. Like, seriously, try getting rid of it. Try using it. Try Even if it's for something that you know God wants you to be doing, try using it. Because it w- it is murderously difficult to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's partly because it's hard money. It's partly because it's good money. It's that, that thing that is termed greed in the bible it's a lot more insidious than you'd think
1: man that's
2: really that's really interesting perspective you're adding there griff were you going to add something well yeah i think that was awesome Uh, i think it's it's super interesting because we're not all here put here for the same reason we are not all going to have the same type of success or you know what success looks like it's all different for everybody and honestly like writing a book uh, it sounds like spiritually speaking, like you are so good with who you are, and that that is such an important thing. But to take it back to the technical side, right? Yeah, hash ha- the block size wars sounds sounds to me like what we're describing here is a potential block size wars on a scale that we do not understand yet, because there will come a time that Christian Bitcoiners or religious Bitcoiners will be fighting with. Satanic Bitcoiners, people who understand that this money is so hard and it is so great that if they are able to manipulate the Griffin of four years ago into just going into their little into their little uh, hard fork of, oh, it's called Bitcoin. Now there's two Bitcoins. There's Bitcoin and Bitcoin. Which one do I pick? I mean, it's going to be very hard for people that don't actually understand why they are in this fight, why they actually own this sound money. And I think it's super interesting because... Okay, a uh, DOS attack. It, it is going to be. I mean, the scale that we're talking about this black swan event where Bitcoin is overtaken by BlackRock and the, the and just the worst people imaginable. The same people today that we didn't even recognize on the Money Protocol. Like I said, we people don't even recognize that the Money Protocol just went into oblivion not only in not only a hundred years ago, but like like literally just ten years ago. Uh, the Money Protocol got shaken. Two years ago, the Money Protocol gets shaken again. They don't they, people don't even realize that money is a protocol already and yeah. bitcoin is just a new iteration of that protocol but here we are talking about how okay it's so funny cuz Nick and I were talking about how I wish bitcoin would just stay down because I think in the next 4 years for my personal well-being like I think I'll make a lot of dollars in the next 4 years specifically but I know very well that like no matter how many dollars I make I can't control bitcoin from going up which is an insane conversation for people because they don't even realize that Bitcoin is what it is yet, and those same yeah. people will be the uh, will be the fifty one part of that fifty one percent attack that we could see on Bitcoin, and it's going to be an interesting block size wars. I don't know what that will look like, but here's here's the fun nice. part,
0: Steph. Here's the fun part. I don't even think it would take a hard fork to do what Revelation describes.
2: What do you, so how do, you, how do you see it? Do you think it'll be potentially a soft fork? Because right now with uh, how Bitcoin works, it would be, uh, and the, the way the code is, it would be really hard to get guys like Nick and myself and a lot of these early Bitcoiners to do something that would pervert Bitcoin in the way yeah. that we're talking about. But yeah, if it there works. is enough cash inflow, like you're saying... Well, and if every
1: Uh, person
0: in the world world is onboarded on the system, if every person in the world is onboarded on the system, the original Bitcoiners—the ones who exist right now—how big a percentage of the world population are we? We're (laughs) there's basically (laughs) zero. So, so at this at that point, we don't matter. We don't. It doesn't matter whether we want to pervert Bitcoin or not. We don't count. We are a we're a rounding error, man. So, so. What I mean by the hard fork thing, though, is this, that it doesn't look to me like you would have to actually change the the current code of Bitcoin in order to insert instructions that would require someone to be using a neural chip to interface with the network. Oh,
1: that's interesting. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. That's interesting.
0: I don't see that that conflicts with the current code at all.
1: Hmm, hmm
2: so elon musk let's talk about elon musk then because my biggest uh well i don't do a lot of price predictions and i don't do a lot of like oh who is satoshi just because i mean it's a great conversation so maybe we should but elon musk is a guy who when he's inventing paypal we're talking about a guy who can solve the most ridiculous software problems uh within seconds i mean he would identify things that people would work on for weeks and go why don't you guys just do this? And there's a lot of nights in Elon's life, extremely unaccounted for around the time of uh, the inception of Bitcoin, a lot of time. And I think what you kind of just described is somebody or an early Bitcoiner among us right now that realizes this is a century long game. And once he finally does have enough uh, economic power, if you will that's when he probably goes, yep, I got a million of these and yeah, I'm just going to turn that switch on your guys' Neuralink off and you guys aren't going to see it coming. I mean, is that potential, like, do you see, uh, Satan himself revealing himself later down the line then? And that is what could potentially be, uh, kind of what this scenario you're talking about?
0: I, I think, what would I say? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a question, isn't it? Um, actually, (laughs) There's an episode of Tim Pool's podcast it was released in the last week or so. Tim Pool, Sovereign Bra, Donnie Darkened. Go watch it when we're done recording this. Go watch it. It will it will um it will give you interesting thoughts. And I don't have much more to say on the subject than that. But um because that, that exact question was brought up there. But but as far as it goes, Griff. You're you're kind of asking for exact scenarios there, and really, you know, I think where where I will get myself into trouble is if I try to make exact predictions. All all I can do, and the way my mind works, it goes something like this: I I don't you know how a lot of people think in words and a lot of people think in pictures. I think in connections. That's the raw. That's what my thoughts are in a raw form. Is Connections. This connects to that. Connects to this. Connects to that. Connects to this. Totally
2: with you. Yeah, I feel like I'm much the same way, which is why I keep asking. I have asked you quite a few questions already in these last ones where I'm trying to pigeonhole you. But myself, I am asking you those questions because me myself, I don't really think in that way either. So that's why I ask other people. I'm like, "What do you? Well, what do you think?" Right, and that's fine. Yeah, right, and that's that's
0: fine. And what I what I can tell you is something like this that. I can tell you how it looks like current events are kind of connecting together to me and the general direction things are flowing and the, the things like Bitcoin taking over the financial system. You guys understand that when I say that, it isn't just me making a wild prediction. The, the reality is that's actually a very high probability. It would take an event that I don't even know how to understand to stop it at this point because of the game theory, right? We yep. can see that as Bitcoiners, okay? So with that as a base perspective for this, and you build other things on top of it as probabilities, I can tell you it looks to me like the probability is that this is where things are going. But beyond that and saying general things like that, I get lost because there's there are too many factors. You can't calculate the future.
2: I mean, because, I can't. Like, where, that's where, the, that's the truth. That's such a truth, Nick. And like, I was driving actually, and I was like, when you guys were really going there, where um, it's the greatest conversations are the one where we all want to talk over each other, and we have to remind ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, it, exactly. Because he might connect at the end, but those are the best conversations. But I promise you, I sit there listening, and I was just like. I don't even know if we should even continue the podcast because my brain's fried. Just (laughs) like one of the things you said, because I'm like, you. I see these predictions. I even like put on our Twitter. Sometimes I'll even throw a prediction out there just because I'm like, okay, well in some of my best moments I do make predictions. And unfortunately for a lot of other people, once I finally do come around to one of these predictions, like I guess a prediction would be, yeah guys, Bitcoin is the best money. Yes. It will appreciate greatly against paper. I don't know what else to tell you. Do you want me to get into the specifics of every little part of that? Because there's a there's so many different things. Like I just kind of I never stop talking until somebody asks me a good question, and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, like, and then I usually just like I I'm pretty good on my feet with the old talking, yep. thing. So I talk my yep. way through a lot of stuff, but I don't think people in my life realize I talk through a lot of stuff that uh, ten minutes later I'm going. Okay, cool. So now I can actually think about it. I didn't even like what I said there, but I had to say something. So I said it, and it probably came off okay, but it's impossible, like we're saying, to really like go, well, what's going to happen? The only thing you can do is actually formulate a thousand questions per second to really try to think about what is the next prediction? What Will, Bit, will Bitcoin appreciate against paper? Duh! Like, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? You think Bitcoin can't beat paper, but uh it is it is something that man I, this has been one of the best conversations i swear to you i've had a lot of great conversations here. this is one of the best <laughs> listening to your podcast on bitcoin because the best uh a lot of these big platform guys they actually just steal our stuff like your stuff yeah. and then they put it to theirs your sure. podcast list about bitcoin i'm going t- to be i'm going to tune into all of them now because uh actually i would recommend it i think thing. it was such a great thing it really was you
0: know we, we talk, on Modern Apocrypha, we talk about just about everything. But, but at the very beginning, on the very first episode, we start with a conversation about myth and how myth guides society, and then we go into what is spiritual warfare, and what is the dialectic. You know the chessboard we were talking about? That's the dialectic. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. It's a manipulation that the enemy uses to get us to do what he wants. So, over the first five or six episodes, we built out this worldview, and now we're kind of just talking about this or that or the other thing that are attached to it. I think one of our next conversations that I've got recorded but haven't released yet is on the relationships between men and women. I mean, we, we talk about everything, so and it's interesting. It's fun. Actually, no, I've really enjoyed this conversation too. I, I got to be honest, guys. I coming into this, I was expecting this to be a lot more hostile than it has been. I was thinking they're they're gonna they're gonna be like grilling me and trying to get me to. And I, I'm just glad that you guys have been willing to actually just talk about the. You know, the, the probabilities and the general thought, because to me, it's a concept. I don't know that I'm right. All I know is that as, as men who are responsible for trying to take care of the people around us, for leading the people around us and for, you know, carrying them. As best we can that's kind of what we do as men we we show the way we walk forward and we carry the people around us and as men who are responsible for that what we have to do is we have to look at the world and we have to go okay what are the likelihoods what is it that we have to contend with out here what's going on and if these things happen how do we deal with that what situation do we need to be in what how do we need to be prepared and and along those lines I would just say guys if if you believe that god might be real if you believe that god is real if you believe that if you believe anything about that find him find the truth and get to know him because in the time that's coming the only thing that can actually save you the only thing that's actually going to take you to a good place is knowing him so that that is if anything what I would say is the most important takeaway.
1: That is a, that is such a great spot to wrap the show, uh, Jared. It's been a pleasure to have you on. I've absolutely enjoyed the conversation. To echo you and Griff, uh, you and Griff's thoughts. Um, go find Jared on Twitter. It's at Modern Apocrypha. If you are watching, um, he, you can see his uh, at there. It'll also be in the description. Uh, Jared, where else can people find you? let you know, get where can Thank people you. find Bright Star? Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. I
0: would love to plug that. So you can find me at modern apocrypha. That's where I, that's where I put all of my more out there thoughts on the internet is at modern apocrypha.com or at modern apocrypha on Twitter. You can get me at either one. Um, if you're interested in my writing, you can find it at e6universe.com is the easiest way to get to it. Um, the the Twitter and the my author uh, handle are a little bit difficult. It's Jared N Micho on Twitter or Jared Micho Author on Facebook or whatever. But but E Six Universe is really the place to get Bright Star. And if I could just two seconds here on Bright Star, guys, I think that one of the most important things, and we didn't even get into this. I'd love to sometime for our kids, for the next generation, for our society. God gave us. The Bible. The Bible is a bunch of stories. As human beings, we live based on the stories that we take in and our stories as a society have become corrupted. So what Bright Star is, is it's my contribution, my attempt to help get started in correcting the myth of our country, of our society, of our world, for our generation and for our kids' generation.
1: I love it. Jared, We're going to have to have you on again at some point to continue the conversation. I hope you have a great rest of your Saturday, man. We'll talk soon. You
0: too, man. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Griff,
2: what a freaking conversation we just had. It's actually kind of funny because you and I both were ready to just melt his fucking face off. (laughs) As we, like, got right into it, right? Like, that total honesty, like, that obviously was, like, how any Bitcoiner would take it. Look at our poll. Nobody votes the devil and it is important to obviously take a different perspective, but you want to know the reason for anybody who's listening in a minute 90 here or whatever, whatever we cut this down to, which I hope is a lot, honestly, because our goal here is to actually build a podcast that we are going to put out and we are going to put our, our full weight behind this thing and our full energy behind this thing, because we're finally at a point where we think we're going to find people or we think we're going to actively listen and give you guys content that nobody else is willing to give you and what we were willing to give you here is we started at fuck this guy and then I listened to one podcast and now I want to I really want to engage myself in more of his content because one he's a very intelligent guy two he is very humble he's very humble and what he says has a massive amount of uh, you can tell how many questions he's asked and when I listen to his podcast for a guy that you know, got into Bitcoin, maybe even a little after myself. uh, Technically speaking, to understand everything that he was talking about, I said, wow, this guy knows how to ask questions. And it immediately shifted my opinion on the way we were going to go into this episode. I'm really glad that, as you guys can tell, we're not going to come into any of more of these episodes with guests or any of these episodes that don't have this energy behind it. Because the problem when we started last time, was the lack of energy to want to actively listen to research, to ask questions uh, week in and week out. But also, uh, man, Nick, we didn't even communicate with each other like we talked about. We weren't communicating on a higher level. Uh, and we're here now, baby. We're here now. And I really think that was probably the best guest episode we've had. No, Jared is not i mean, one of the bigger follower, I guess, guests, if you will. That was the best episode we've ever done with a guest. Bar none, not even close. And yep. it's only going to get better from here. But, yeah, that was, I mean, I i i, I can't even stop it <sighs> now, which is exactly why we started this podcast, because we didn't pull any punches there. We said everything. And at the end of the day, we were talking to a guy who actually, he doesn't want to give predictions because they're worthless. He wants to talk about connections. And I think that's something to connections, yep. right? Connections. Absolutely. Yeah, hey, thank you guys for listening to another
1: episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Come find us on Twitter. It is at Nick and Griff Show. It's all spelled out N-Y-C-A-N-D-G-R-I-F-F-S-H-O-W. If you're not watching video, we've got video on Spotify and on YouTube. Uh, it's all Nick and Griff Show. It's all branded Nick and Griff Show. Come check us out. We'll see you guys again next week with maybe another guest. We'll see. But we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.